Welcome to Pitmaster, an old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. This man has the following finishes in the American Royal the past three years. 11th, Reserve Grand Champion, and this year, Grand Champion. Enjoy this podcast with American Royal Champ Travis Duffy from Last Call Heroes. While you're enjoying this podcast, please share it out on your social media, and also be sure to like the podcast on the service of your choice. Every little bit helps. Thanks. This is our first time having a podcast right after the American Royal. And what we're going to do from here on out, as long as this podcast exists, is we're going to have the American Royal Open champ come on. Because it's the biggest contest in barbecue. It's the one that everybody wants to win. And if you've ever cooked the Royal and sat there and and to see friends win and to be excited about it, it gives you goosebumps. It's giving me goosebumps right now just having the American Royal Champ on here. So if you all will please join me in welcoming, and I know that you will never get tired of hearing this, world champion, American Royal Champ, Travis Duffy. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Luke. How are you tonight? I'm good, man. I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off today. It's crazy. But I reached out to you because I wanted to have you on, and um, and you were more than willing, and I'm so excited to have you here, bud. Hey, I'm glad you asked me to come on. I was, as, as, as you think about podcasts, you hope you can be on when you do something like this. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, a lot of the guys you've had on, and I really like your format and how you kind of maybe take it maybe a little bit more into into the personal part of it. Uh, and I, I enjoy that. So I'm happy to be here today. I think we had kind of a moment at the Royal because we were on stage together and because you got second chicken, correct? I did. I got second uh, <laughs> with, a, with a 180. I think there was a three or four of those. And I was I was just happy to have gotten that done. <laughs> and I I remember you getting up there and I was like, man, T Duff kills the Royal. I mean, he kills the Royal. And I'm like, I wonder who won chicken. And uh <laughs> and then lo and behold, we got to win chicken. Now, this was not your first square trophy. No, I got the reserve grand champion in the open in twenty nineteen also. Um and when that happened, that was a complete surprise. Because you know how the open goes. They start calling people's uh, names overall that maybe haven't even heard their name called that day. We had one call that year in Cork, and that was it. So you sit at awards, and you never know what's going to happen. Did you? Did the other three literally hit the bottom three tables? You just don't know. So when they called us for a reserve 2019, it was, it was very shocking to say the least. It's a little bit different dynamic this year when we won it, given what we had for calls. But either way, it doesn't take away from how special old days were for us. Days I'll never forget. Absolutely, man. And I remember 2019 because we had finished eighth and uh, we were up there and we were standing there and we're, you know, I'm sitting around going, looking, trying to remember calls. I'm super ecstatic that I'm up there, but I'm trying to remember calls. And it, we're all barbecue people. And so I'm going to, 
let me digress a little bit here. So when you get a call, that means you get to hear your name and you get to go up. And when you're at a barbecue contest, even if it's a 25 teamer, you're counting calls. And this year you had three. Uh, my friend Bill Gillespie had three. Dustin from Hogline had two high ones. And we're sitting there going, man, this is like, this is like a three team deal at this point. Like, and who, who killed, who, who lost something. And, uh, I'll hear this from Gillespie later because I texted him and I said, I was like, are you nervous in the service, buddy? (laughs) (laughs) And then when they called him for where they did, I was like, oh shit. Like, and then I was like, well, this is T-Duff or Hogline, you know? And, uh, I was sitting real close to Dustin and, uh, you know, they called him for reserve. I knew you'd won. And, and it was really cool, man. Like, especially after following up your reserve with a grand. Talk about that a little bit, man. That's something. Yeah. It's, you know, you look back at it now and it's like, how did we accomplish that? You know, you you think about it and you can even say, man, it would be so cool. You know, you reserve it the one year, I'm going to come back and win it the next time. We can all say that it sounds cool on paper, but the likelihood of it happening is probably you know, there's a better chance of getting struck by lightning than doing what we did. Um, somehow, uh, some way, we made it happen. <laughs> I'll probably never understand it, but you don't have to. It's that's the <laughs> best part, man. You don't you don't have to understand it, and couldn't have been happier to come up there and shake your hand. That was big deal for me. I was really happy for you. You know, I knew you would won Chicken Team of the Year not too long ago, and I just you know, knowing how we all think that that square trophy and chicken had to put the cherry on the top of, of the chicken team of the year for you, I bet, didn't it? Yeah, man. Wow. Now you're interviewing me. (laughs) I was just happy to be up there. I knew how strong of a chicken cook you are. And so to be a hunt late 2020 and early 2021, I went through a chicken drought that was terrible i couldn't score above a 25th place in chicken at a contest i went a whole year without a single call in chicken and we were we were lost we were turning in chicken that i couldn't find a problem with things that i was scoring with in the past and then you know we'd made changes but they were not the changes that needed to happen and finally about mid-season we started to hit on a couple things and one of the weird thing is is I got to, where did we go? Oh, no, this was even before mid-season. It was June. We went to a doubleheader in Nebraska. And getting ready for that doubleheader, I'm like, oh, great, here we go. I get to trim 32 pieces of chicken on a category I'll never get a call in. And I I told myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm only going to trim 16. I'm going to cook eight a day. I'm like, if if I'm just going to get 25th in chicken anyway, I'm just going to trim eight a day and get 25th and move on. Uh, the funny thing is, when I started trimming less chicken, I started focusing a little better, and my scores turned around. So I'm still only cooking eight because I dude, eight. isn't that the that's the truth though? Like, yeah. I stopped. I when we won Chicken Team of the Year, I was cooking 16. I was doing. I was cooking on backwoods, which made a big deal because I had plenty of room, sure. so I I could run 16 and then pick my favorite six or seven, put them in the box. 
and a couple of years ago, I we were at a contest. We were at that triple in New Jersey, and we cooked day one. We had three calls. We finished last in chicken. And this is right after I switched to Jambo. Sure. And I was like, I'm not putting chicken on that Jambo again in my fucking life ever. Not doing it. I'm sorry for cussing everybody, but I've had three bourbons since I got home, which was about 20 minutes ago. And I said, I'm done. And I I texted uh, I texted Tim Shear and I said, I have a 30 gallon drum. I need to process because I'm not doing this again. And he gave me 15 word text and we won chicken the next day. And I've cooked chicken that way the rest of my life. Awesome. Yeah, man. Just uh, being on stage with you, number one, was awesome. Number two, getting that square trophy. We don't have one. We didn't, never had one and made that 20-hour drive back. Very awesome. How, was, how long was your drive? Mine's not as bad as yours. Mine's eight. And <laughs> that's, that's enough, too, but I... Those, those long ones, man, that's about what we got to drive to get down to Oklahoma. I, I think it's 15 maybe to get to the uh, KCBS World Invitational. So I feel your pain out of it. Ain't, <laughs> but it is, it's a little easier to take those drives home when you got some cool trophies in the back seat. That's for sure. Yeah, man. It was, oh, and it was, oh, I put it in the front seat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you on that. We, we had ours in the back, but we did buckle it in. And I, I carried it into every hotel room I stayed in on the way home. And people, I'd walk in and check in, and people were like, what are you doing? I'm like, I can't leave this in the car, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so we did this. It's kind of funny. I don't, uh, I'm just telling weird stories like this because, I don't know, I think it's kind of cool. This is kind of some of the stuff that maybe some of the other podcasts don't have. But so, like, this is kind of a little bit, kind of just kind of, I don't know. People are going to learn some stuff about me on this podcast and just kind of cool. So when we reserved it in, uh, in 2019, it takes you a little bit longer to get out of the track than uh, it does when you, you know, when you norm when it, on a normal one. Um, so most everybody was probably out of there a large amount in 2019. So I was like, well, if I could just get myself back to Omaha for the night, we'll call it, we'll, we'll, we'll be good. And, if I remember right, I think we pulled into Omaha about 1030 at night, not too late, but it was, it was late enough and we didn't have a hotel booked. So me and my teammates started, you know, hitting the Google machine and seeing what there was out there for hotels and stuff. And we had just reserved the Royal and come up with a pretty cool $8,000 check. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm calling hotels and there's this one by this convention center. It looks pretty cool. I'm like, well, whatever it is, I just want a, a good room and a comfortable bed after what we did, I called this one hotel. They're like, well, Mr. Duffy, we got this suite here and it's got this walk-in shower that's massive and all this. And it's, I forget the price. And and I'm I'm trying to negotiate a, uh, a better price. And my teammate turns around and goes, dude, you just reserved the Royal. You got an $8,000 plastic check. How about we just pay full price? I'm like, okay. <laughs> so that changes I, uh, shit a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So we got that, we got that hotel and I tell you what, they weren't lying. It, it, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't showered yet that day. I had the most amazing shower and we were like, this hotel room rocks. I would be lying if I didn't tell you that when we left the Royal this year, I did not call that hotel, give them my name and see if they could look up that exact room. 
<laughs> that's a great story, man. That's and that's you know, and that's what's awesome, man. It's um let's get into it. Let's introduce the world to you. So I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I'm gonna ask you a rapid fire question first. Sure. Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about you. Absolutely. So what do you think they are? Unfiltered? Probably have a misconception or, well, I don't really know if it's a misconception, but I'm sure I'm, I have a reputation to kind of be an asshole in the game. And <laughs> they're wrong, but I, I think, I think if some, I think if some people really understood where I'm coming from and what I, you know, what, what, what I'm really trying to get across sometimes when I'm making a point that they might not have the same opinion of me, you know, and I'm trying to, I mean, let's be honest, I'm a farm kid from South Dakota. I'm pretty rough around the edges. I struggle a lot of times with putting together the correct way to say some things, um, you know, but I've, I've tried to get better over the years and I have my moments when I slip Wait, I kind of, I don't know, but don't think of it the wrong way, but I kind of consider myself a little bit of the Tony Stewart of barbecue. I, a little vocal sometimes i say things that don't come out the right way but at the end of the day i'm going to give you the shirt off my back the day that you need it you know i'm uh like if even even if I, even if even if we don't get along uh the day that you need my help i'm going to help you it's just the way i am i i don't know it any other way i was i was raised as a farm kid i was raised with the the uh, morals and the ethics if you will to help people when they need help and that's what we do you know um, so there's that side of me that sometimes gets overshadowed by, you know, um, how loud I am sometimes on social media, but, you know, I think, I think people just need to, you know, understand where I'm coming from a little bit if they would, um, but the other day, I'm just passionate about what I do, you know, and, uh, sometimes I let that get the best of me. Uh, you know what we all do when our passions come into it and you know what? It's not, a, it's not a character flaw. It's fantastic. I mean, you're a real person. And I I knew that moment I met you. I mean, my first conceptions of you were online. And and then when I met you, I was like, this guy's awesome. Like, <laughs> and and I'm, I mean, I wish we could spend more time together. And I'm, that's why I'm glad we're doing this because... I mean, let's let them know. Let's get into it. All right. Yeah, you absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, the one thing that I love about the American Royal is the fact that I get to see cooks like Luke Darnell that I only maybe get to see once or twice a year. You know, it's a, it's one big, we always say one big family reunion at the Royal and, uh, I love it. I'm, I'm glad so many cooks take the effort every year to come to the Royal. You know what? That's a good point, man, because every time we have somebody that wins a contest on the East Coast and they've never been, or it's their first win, the first thing I do is give them a hug and tell them, like, man, so proud, glad you won. And then the second thing I tell them is, you have to go to the Royal. You have to go to the Royal. And they all they're always like, uh, you know, it's a long way. I'm like, no, you don't understand. When you're there, and, it, and I equate it to being in a barbecue snow globe. You're, you're there and everybody's there. And you get to meet people and you get to go do things and 
eat things and you know, I'm so tired by the time I cook one piece of competition barbecue because I've done so much and uh, I'm blessed to do that because, man, like you said, yeah, I get, that's maybe the one time a year I see you, and that's cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of great people in our barbecue family that we don't get to see a lot. It's kind of um, from your region, it's fresh on my mind, so I'm going to say it. There's a guy from your region that just won his first GC just last weekend, and I've been rooting for him to get that first one for the longest Who time. Who said? Exactly. <laughs> Dude, I was there. He beat my ass. <laughs> I'm going to say, I love you, Luke, but he needed to kick your butt that day because we need to have him at the real next year. Well, yeah, he uh, – listen – I am a huge fan of good googly goo, have been forever, and uh, I do this thing whenever he gets a call, I go, good giggly goo, <laughs> and, uh, and I, at awards this week, this is Lemoyne, Pennsylvania, and it's a contest that we've cooked twice, and we've won twice, so I'm sitting there listening to chicken, I'm sitting next to Mark Gibbs. And uh, they get the first place chicken. We hadn't heard our name. He goes, just go ahead and get up. And I'm like, nah, there's fire out there. There's fire out there. And he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, there's fire out there. Like, And then they called Sid. And I went, see? And then I got, I got three other calls. And Mark had three calls. And Sid had three calls. So we're sitting there. And I'm like, man, I don't know if... I got enough thunder for this. And I thought I had enough thunder to beat Gibbs. I did not. I finished third, uh, which is an OVS staple. <laughs> finished the third. And then Gibbs reserved. And then everyone was sitting there, who won? And I'm like, man, that's my boy. Like, he talked about great guys in barbecue. I'm glad we're talking about it, man. We'll get to the question soon, but I'm glad we're talking about Sid because he's just one of the best. And he's been working so hard for two years. And to see him win and to know that he'll be with us in Kansas City next year, that's amazing. I love it. It just it's, it just shows, you know, all the way around what hard work does, you know. Um, you put the time in, you put the effort in, you get the results like that. It was only a matter of time that he was going to bang one off, and he finally did. I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm, I, I can't wait. I'm, I got to hang out with him a little bit last year at the KCBS World Invitational. I think he was helping. He might have been helping Childs or I forget. He was helping another another cookout. I told him, I said, you'll be at the next one. Just keep doing what you're doing. And he's going to be at him. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a great dude. Uh, but enough about Sid. <laughs> I'm going to have Sid on here, too, at some point. Sure. Because I uh, think the I world needs that episode on. The world needs to know him. I mean, we've had a lot of first-time winners out here, and two of the two of the ones recently, Sid, Good Googly Goo, and uh, Greg Boggs from Boggs Hogs, they're amazing cooks. And, you know, it's just been, I mean, I know what it's like to sit there and grind for your first win. And when you get it, man, like, the world opens up. And then the monkey's off your back, then you can cook and just cook. And you know what that's like, too. Absolutely. It seems like that first one is the hardest one to get. Um, and it's kind of, it, it's almost like 
you put so much pressure on yourself to get it, you're probably actually hurting yourself. But when you finally get it, you get, usually what it is, is it's the realization of the day that you win it. You look back on what you turned in and it was like, it really didn't have to be the most mind-blowing, amazing stuff in the world that wins. It's just good barbecue, you know? And then you start to tell yourself, I, I, can, I can get myself into a rhythm where I can, I can cook like that pretty consistently. And then you start to have some more success. And it kind of opens, it, it just kind of opens your eyes a little bit as what it takes to win and that it's really not what you think. And it's not a bad way either. Right. It's not. And it's, but it does take the pressure off and just allow you to express yourself through your food. Absolutely. Well, enough bullshit. Let's get to it. I can't ask you the first question. First one is what's the biggest turning point in your life as a pit master? <laughs> Maybe I can. What is it? Well, before a couple weeks ago, it would have been different, <laughs> but it's going to be winning the American Royal now. <laughs> what was it before that? Probably reserving it. And between that and like, I won our state team of the year points chase in our, in our state three, three times. Uh, it's probably my other, you know, thing I've done a lot as far as points like that, that were high highlights of my career. Yeah, man. I mean, that's good. But, but you've, I mean, man, you've done so well on such a big stage. It's, it's so cool. But are you a superstitious fella? A little bit. You know, I like to think that I'm not, but. I often, I catch myself trying to, well, you know how it is. You, you have a good day and it's like, you tie something together. Like, oh, I had a good day and I brewed this pot of coffee. And you're like, shit, I got to order more of that coffee because I'm almost <laughs> things like that. So yeah, I am. No matter how much I try not to be, I am. Do you have any rituals or routines that you have to do at every contest? A little bit. Um, so we're kind of known for our caramel rolls, just like the Shagan boys are kind of known. For oh that. man, we fucked up. I was supposed to bring you cornbread. Ah, it's all right. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll have it next year. It'll be okay. All right. All right. All right. Make sure to bring it next year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I have the superstition now that if I don't like, if I have one of those weeks where I get busy and, um, usually it happens. I forget which day we're leaving for driving away. And if I don't get the caramel rolls made, shit, didn't make them, then I don't get, to me, I don't feel we do as good if I go to a contest and don't bring caramel rolls. That has to happen. Um, plus, people get upset with me when I don't bring caramel rolls. To them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that superstition. Um, we, you know, I, I don't really know if I have this is purely, if I mean, you know, kind of listen to the same playlist every contest. Um, uh, you know, or, you know, and it's, it's kind of a mix of stuff that just kind of gets us pumped up and in the zone. Uh, it's everything from, from shine down to Cardi B on that playlist, but it's fun, you know, I'm trying to think of other stuff. I, you know, I, I stick to a pretty good routine throughout every week. I kind of do the same things about every time. Sometimes when there's doubles or, or, uh, you know, or I'm traveling farther, I got to switch it up a little bit, but for the most part, we follow the same, uh, regimen throughout the week. So you do yeah, the same thing every week? Yeah, I try to keep it the keep it the the same routine every time as I you know it's a and I can I can totally walk you through it if you want me to touch on it, but uh, uh, it's something you know <laughs> my, 
my 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 week of prep and what I do is pretty similar week to week. I trim the same stuff on the same nights and make injections the same. The only time it never really changes is like I said, if there's like some crazy travel that has to go on. If I got to do like what you did for the Royal Drive, twenty hours, there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens on Monday and Tuesday that you know maybe would be done on Wednesday or whatever. But uh, for the most part, we stick to a routine pretty well. You know what? That's that's a good point. When you're traveling as far as I did, I still stayed to it. I mean, I if I have to stop the trailer and go in the trailer and do something, because you can't change it. I mean, if it works, then it works. And I mean, that's that's part of this, man. It's like being comfortable in your own skin and being comfortable with what you're doing. That's a big deal. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's the same way. I, um, if I was to travel like you do, you know, and if I have to leave, if we have to be traveling on Wednesday and Wednesday's the day I make my injections, I'm going to pre-mix the dries and the wets. So then I can on the road, like I said, you can pull over and go to your fridge and, you know, pop them together like you would at home, you know, just you know, have it planned out. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of do the same thing too. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about your successes because <laughs> they're recent and they're big but i like to talk about failures man sure uh do you have a favorite failure of yours where something happened and it really like changed the way you think or the way you compete well i'll probably touch on what i feel probably our first major mess up in barbecue was um you know, and how we kind of overcome it if we did, <laughs> but, and I guess if this is our biggest mess up, maybe we, maybe we shouldn't be too, you know, maybe we're just fortunate, but uh, it was like, was, I believe it was 2017, we were cooking a contest in Watertown, South Dakota, and I went to, we, we went to set the sauce on the chicken, and I had the, the chicken tray in my hand, and I had it up by my gateway drum and when my teammate went to pull the lid off yeah he hit my the tray of chicken and all of it landed in the gravel um we had to then pick it all up off the ground and bring it back in the trailer kind of basically get as much of the sauce off as we possibly could almost rinsed them re-sauced them and set them back on and did it and i the whole time i was worried that the judges are probably going to get a bunch of gravel and uh I turned that chicken in and the one, the one of the pieces that um, didn't make the box that I tried, I took a bite, started chewing it and yep, got a big little crunch in my tooth. I'm like, oh, we are so toast. Um, we actually survived and got a 14th chicken that day with it and fifth overall. But, uh, you know, that was probably one of our biggest failures and we overcame it by remembering what David, or not, uh, what David Bosca told me one time, and I think he's even touched on this a couple times on his podcast, is the win methodology. What is what's important now? You know, that if, when you have a a massive problem like that, that's the first thing you have to ask yourself: What is important right now? What can I do to get out of this situation and, and rectify it? You know, and kind of one of those things of you know not ever giving up on a particular category. You know, you got. You got till 12.04.59 to get that chicken turned in. Don't give up on it till it is, you know. And uh, we did that and we overcame it. That was probably one of my first failures. And then I'm 
probably one of my defining, I don't know if you want to call it failures, but 2020 was not nice to us as far as the season is concerned. We just did not have results that I wanted. Maybe I'm being too picky, but if there was a stretch where we, you know, weren't getting some top tens and struggling, we just couldn't find what they wanted last year for the longest time. And uh, Yeah, but that's a hard year to assess that way. Very, very much. You know, we had such a wild demographic of judges that changed from contest to contest because there was a, a lot of, of our regular judges that didn't feel comfortable coming and judging. And most of the judges were off the street. And it was tough to find some consistency in the judge tent. And I let it eat me alive last year. You know? It, oh, you shouldn't have, man. You had to, last year, you had to backyard the shit out of your food. That's what you had to do. <laughs> Yeah, and I was <laughs> I was going the opposite direction. I was doubling down on, on on not doing that. Just you know, trying to ride this, make tenderness perfect. You know, I think you nailed it. And I think it was Bobby Stanfield who told me this last year at one point in time when I was struggling. He's like, "You're giving them an IPA when they want a Bud Light." And exactly, kind of, man. You know, and that kind of shed, shed some light on some stuff and. You know, I started maybe following that a little bit more and I started to kind of see towards the end of the year a little bit better results and and kind of rode that into this year. And I think you can still play that backyard game a little bit. I think, I don't really know if you want to call it backyard. I, I think I touched on this on another podcast. I forget, but I'll touch on it again. I think our judging right now is kind of a mix of what it was before the pandemic and afterwards. I think a lot of it has to do, I think a lot of these newer judges I think they want to taste some smoke. They want to taste some flavor, you know, more than, more than, more than in the past. In the past, you could really nail a tenderness, you know, and if you come back in with your standard traditional flavors and did a good job of balancing them out, your, your taste score is going to probably follow with that tenderness score. But now this day and age, I mean, I get a lot of nines and tenderness and sevens on taste and trying to work on that. We're kind of seeing that they want a little more kind of a turning point in my 2021 season. Not that it started out that bad, but I'd cooked a couple and we ended up going to Valley, Nebraska, Mr. Blaine Hunter's hometown. And oh, great contest, dude. Yeah. And I just, at that contest, I decided that I was just going to, I wasn't changing anything, but I was just going to, I wouldn't say even be heavy handed. I was just going to accent my flavors a little bit more. We ended up 180 in pork that day and finished in third overall. And that kind of stuck a little bit. And we just kept kind of rolling with that mentality the rest of the year. And it's paid out pretty good for us. Hey, friends. This is not your normal ad for a podcast. But I wanted to bring your attention to a GoFundMe initiative for our friend Aaron Bordich. Aaron is pitmaster of Lucky 19 and works at Northern Fire in Minnesota. Aaron was critically injured in a head-on collision on Tuesday, September 8th, and has suffered multiple injuries. He's going to be requiring several weeks of ICU care and extensive surgeries and rehab to get better. So the barbecue family has started a GoFundMe and an auction and a Venmo account so that we can all come together to help Aaron with his expenses as this is going to be quite a lengthy and extensive recovery. So I encourage you to you can go and Google Aaron Bordage, B-O-U-R-D-A-G-E, 
accident or GoFundMe, and that will take you to the GoFundMe page. You can also go to the Shigan and Grinnin Facebook page, where you'll be able to find all manners of information about how to help Aaron. So the barbecue family always talks about how great it is. Let's show Aaron how great we are. And uh, Aaron, if you're listening, or if Missy, we uh, all have you in our thoughts and prayers. So thank you. This is a call for entrance for the World for the World Junior Barbecue League Championship to be held November 6, 2021 at AutoZone Park in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. This championship, started by Melissa Cookston, features a $20,000 prize purse. High school kids are eligible, and this is a great opportunity to get kids involved with barbecue and to learn what it is to be part of a team. So, you can find more information at WorldJuniorBBQLeague.com. That's WorldJRBBQLeague.com. Check it out. Absolutely. Let's get into some equipment stuff. Sure. So what's one of the most worthwhile investments that you've made in competition barbecue? I'd probably have to say that the trailer and pit that I have now is probably the most worthwhile investment. Um, not that I didn't have a good setup before, but, you know, I was coming and I was unloading a pretty heavy Yoder uh, pit and uh, a couple drums. We were coming out of just a basic enclosed trailer. And it re- just required a lot of work in between contests, just you know, a prime example, you get home, you got to clean the trailer. Well, before we could clean the trailer, we had to unload all the pits and I'll get everything. And then you could clean the trailer. Just a lot of work. And getting to the point where we have a porch trailer where we can roll into a contest and pretty much unhook, level it, plug it into power and be ready to go. And kind of the same, come home, pressure wash the pit, mop the floor, clean up the trailer. You just, we so just what are you it. cooking on now? I'm cooking on an outlaw, pretty similar to your Jambo. Uh, you know, they kind of, they cook the same, but yeah, uh, standard <laughs> that's awesome. And, and a lot of people like to make fun of the outlaw. I, I refuse to, because I think it's a great pit. Yeah. I mean, I, I just kind of comes down. I, everybody should just kind of, if you love Jambo, buy the Jambo, you like outlaw and cook on what you like to cook on, you know, um, I'm not opposed to cooking anything. If I, if I, uh, if I had to cook a contest across the country and, you know, uh, somebody offered me up a jambo to cook on it, I'd, I'd go cook on it in a heartbeat, you know. I'd probably cook on it just like I cook on my outlaw. I might screw everything up, but I'm going to try it that way. You know? <laughs> what did you cook on before the outlaw? Um, I cooked on a couple gateway drums and a Yoder pellet cooker. We're basically flavorizing on the cans and, and wrapping and going to the pellet cooker. Yeah, but man, moving to that offset. I mean, I did the same thing. I cooked on Backwoods, and it was great, and we had a lot of success. But to do what I wanted to do required a change, and I can't believe that, like, if if I could give anybody advice, like, when you get into competition barbecue, if you want to cook on something, save your money and cook on that. Like... I always wanted to cook on an offset, but I couldn't afford an offset. So I bought other pits and cooked on those and did great on them. But at the back of my mind, I was always like, I really want a Jambo. I really want an offset. And when I got that, number one, the learning curve was like a year. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's a different style of cooking, you know, and the, the heat, you, you know, from cooking on your jambo, the heat comes from a totally different direction than, than a lot of us are used to cooking on, on, you know, your standard traditional pits. And, you know, it takes a little bit to get, get that, you know, learn that and get that down because it, it, it colors a lot different. It, 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 it can, and the reason they win so much is they color it to an advantage if, if, if you'll let it be an advantage to you, you know, but uh, you know, if you'd never cooked on one before and you got an airflow that flows like we do on our pit and you're not familiar with it, it's probably, probably going to have a couple rough days before you get her figured out. But you know, <laughs> like we do, um, those style of pits just crank out some awesome barbecue. And, you know, I learned that, you know, I had, I had never really cooked on, quality offsets before i've cooked on a lot of other people's home built offsets and you know and they all have their quirks you know versus a pit that's been built by a by a builder that knows what they're doing i learned that my cook style favors an offset i fell in love with that thing so fast i won my first i won my first gc the third time i cooked on that pit now I will never, I, you, you're probably the same way. Somebody ever asks you, you ever going to upgrade to a, you know, I got a 26 inch barrel outlaw and now they got 28s and even some thirties. Everybody's like, when you get to 28, I'm like, never. <laughs> I'm like that. <laughs> I'm going to cook on until I retire. I love it. Right. And that's, I can't believe it took me so long to get there. I just love doing it because each cook is different and you have to just be really good at what you're doing and i love doing it that way and that's but there were a lot of people also i used to i was known as a a bit of a partier and the guy that couldn't love to hang out and party and everything and people were like you can't run an offset and i'm like yeah there's ways to run that offset still accomplish what i do socially oh yeah <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, these offsets that we cook on are some of the easiest pits to run. They almost run themselves. They're so efficient. Um, if That's the secret, Travis. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them. <laughs> Don't tell them that it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've talked about expensive shit. What's a purchase of $100 or less that has most positively impacted your barbecue? The most recent one, I'm going to give a shout out to Childs on this and his chicken racks or those racks he come out with those, uh, I think we got them from 270 smokers and building them for him. I bought some of them in the off season and I love them things. I mean, I think I spent like 40 or 50 bucks on a couple of them and they're awesome. I love them. What um, rack is that? It's his Wolf Revenge. Uh, they fit in, It fits perfectly in a half pan. I think he's got them for full pans too. And it's this stainless rack with a bunch of, you know, it's kind of mimicking a, a screen or whatever in the bottom there. But I love it. I put my I, I put my thighs on it. I put it on my offset when I cook them. And then when I pan, I just set that in there. And it's just this awesome little chicken racks that they just work good. I'm, I wish you would have come out with them like four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's life a lot easier getting your chicken in and out of the pans and things of that nature. It's the simplest thing, but I tell you what, it's effective. That's, That's cool. My latest one. All right. Well, uh, let's switch. Let's switch. Uh, you got more? I'm trying to think people here. love these things, man. Like people like, that things. don't have to spend a lot of money on. 
Yeah, it's good. So there's a couple little weird things I've done lately that I think, uh, well, the one ones <clears throat> I set my sauce and stuff. I bring myself, uh, I bring a 30 gallon can along and I use that to set sauce. And then, you know, it sits alongside my, my trailer and it's always running in a solid, you know, 325 or whatever. It's just an, uh, if, if there's something I need to blast quick, it's, it's hot and it's ready there. Um, I buy these pizza screens off of Amazon and I think a lot of people do this too. And that's what I, instead of using the actual grate, I just use pizza screens um, because I can set sauce and put them on there so well and carry them back on a pizza tray below it. And that, and then another stupid thing I've been doing lately, this doesn't cost anything, but I've, I don't know about you guys, but when I trim my chicken, um, I'm only doing eight now. I used to have two of these, but I used to say if I buy a smart, chicken family packs so they're the little bit bigger packs and when i trim my chicken i just set them back in one of those uh styrofoam packs and i always used to just back seal that and then put it in the cooler with the rest of your meat and you know sometimes the things would get slid around i would get a little upset that something would maybe land on top of my chicken and kind of smash it a little bit so the dumbest thing and i can't believe i didn't think of this before so i've been back sealing that then I turn around and I take an, another one of those styrofoam things and I set over the top of it and then I back seal that. So then when it comes meat inspection time, you can throw that in your cooler and hell, you can put the chicken in the bottom of the cooler and cover it with ice. It doesn't even hurt them now. And then when it comes meat inspection, you can just cut that first layer, pull that off and there's your chicken still back sealed. And then I just throw that in my fridge at the contest. But now I don't even care. My chicken can be wherever it wants in the cooler and doesn't get smashed or whatever. Um, I don't know if anybody huh. does. I think that's kind of cool to do. That's cool. I've never heard of that. That's pretty awesome. I don't know if, anybody, if somebody can get something out of that. I think that's kind of cool anyway. You know, the weird thing, you go take classes and things like that. It's the weird little things like that at a class you learn that you wouldn't think actually at the end of the day makes you a better cook, but it it, it, it has effect on your program some, some way, shape, or form. And, you know, um, and that's funny because I... Uh... Last week was David. I interviewed David Qualls, and uh, <laughs> it's just funny because he's like, he was talking about classes and stuff, and and he said, you know, they might take two or three things away, but is it really worth it? And I, I, I didn't disagree with him on the podcast, and I probably should have because. I think when you go take a class, especially if you're an accomplished cook, you're looking for those two, three things. Yeah, I, 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 I think you, no matter how much you, you have cooked, there's always um, something you can learn. Um, yeah, I, I, David's been at it for quite a while. Um, you know, I, it's I haven't seen in my barbecue career. You know, some of these guys might not. And they they may have been cooked long enough now and stuff. They may not get as much out of a class that maybe I do. So there might be some validity, you know, with what he, what he said there. Just for myself, I'm still in learn mode. I want to learn as much as possible, dude. But that's smart, man, because I'm still in learn mode. I've been doing this for how long? Have you been doing this? My first year at KCBS was 2014, so it must be seven or eight. And so we're pretty close. Yeah. And I still take a class every year. Yeah, absolutely. I do too. I've taken a lot of them. I'm starting now starting to get a 
who haven't I take already? But you know, and now um, I'm probably uh, I'm going to probably take a different approach to my classes now, just because I've taken there's some classes I haven't taken that I want to, and they maybe aren't ones that everybody looks at first. But to me, I feel they're important to take, given the nature of those cooks. Sure, not, man. But at I'm, the same time. I'm going to come out and just tell everybody what the ones I'm talking about. The two classes I haven't taken yet are from two guys I look up to and legends in the sport. My next classes are Donnie Teal and four legs up Kelly Wirtz. Just because them guys have been cooking for so long. I, I have, I just want to go to the, go to those classes and just listen to them guys talk about everything just because I look up to them guys and there's going to be stuff I, you know, no matter how much, you know, those guys have seen everything. If, if they're, if it's to be seen, they've seen it. I just, I have to, I have to take their class and I will. Those, those right. My next two on there. And I'm not discrediting everybody else. It's just, I've taken a lot of those. I've taken, I've taken a lot of the popular classes and I'm not saying those aren't popular, but sometimes a guy like, Barbecue oftentimes is a game of who's hot and who's not. And everybody wants to take the class of the hottest book on the circuit. And I'm no different. I, I do it too. I'm, I've in my past, I have went and looked at hundred percent who did the best last year when choosing classes. And now I'm kind of looking at people's careers a little bit more of, you know, what have they accomplished over a period of time? And you look at, those two names I mentioned, they're legends. And I I, I want to make sure before them guys retire that I learn something from them. That's fair enough, dude. But at some point here soon, people are going to be in like, when can I take the TDF class? <laughs> yeah, we might have to work on that a little bit. You know, I got to convince myself that I've done enough in barbecue to sell a class. Um, so we'll see and that's hard, man. That's hard. To, that's hard to get to that point. Yeah, you know, you, you know it, you're putting yourself out there. You know, um, the day that you make the decision to to sell that tell-all four-category class, I'm no stranger to classes. I do backyard ones regularly at my sponsor, and then uh, Josh Pig and Whiskey and I we did a chicken and rib tell-all last year. It went really well. But you know, obviously, uh, given the success we've had. People have been starting to ask a little bit about, you know, a standard, you know, four category class. And, uh, you know, I've, we probably have some decisions to make here coming up here. Fame. Fame, buddy. Fame. <laughs> just a farm kid, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's switch gears here. Sure. Who's impacted your life the most in barbecue? So I mentioned a name on another podcast and I'm going to mention them, but I'm going to mention a couple names on yours because I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spend a little more time on it than, than, than the last time we talked about this. So, and the one that I mentioned before and still is first on that list uh, is John Neal, just with Parrothead Smokers. Everybody knows John. John's good for a lot of years, got a lot of success. I think he might even be number two on the all-time KCBS win list, maybe behind, uh, QL Mike. Um, you know, John and I talk, chat quite a bit, text back and forth all the time. And it's, you know, we, we kick ideas off each other, but, you know, um, it's just what I've gotten from John is just 
probably more on the mental side of it than anything, not recipes or anything like that, but just how to how to approach barbecue in a in a way that works, you know. Um, how to handle the emotional part of it, the the mental part of it, everything, you know. It's it's uh talk about that a little bit. Just uh you know, um just a lot of a lot of the approach on that, you know, just uh even just a you know, I don't it's hard to tell because we're like almost friend we we talk almost every day and it's just the weirdest things that you, you know how it is your your average everyday conversations and sometimes sometimes you just hear what you need to hear from somebody either from a support standpoint or a hey shithead get your get your shit together type of thing you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know kind of from, from a um you know we all have bad days even uh you know uh, even john's had some tough contests this year and I, it just it's it's crazy that he you know that he's had some of the struggles he's had and you know we, we've had to talk each other off the ledge several times in text, mess, text messages but hey what a better guy to have those conversations with than somebody that's got almost 80 gcs in their career you know um so I, a lot of what that guy has taught me has, has helped me a lot in my career is you know progressing and you know getting a winning mindset and focusing on the right things I got to credit him a lot for that. And then another person I do need to credit was just mentioned a little bit ago is David Qualls. You know, um, we all know that uh, I am a little rough around the edges and, you know, uh, David is, I've, David's coached me a little bit over the years and I've just kind of, I don't know. Um, I look up to David. So, you know, I, I see how he handles things and, and, and everything. And I, I think that's helping me be a better person on handling some how I handle myself too, you know. I I, I credit I, I gotta thank him for for a lot of the conversations we've had. Very cool. When you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the first person that comes to mind? Darren. Travis Clark, them too. I'm gonna get I'm gonna stop asking this question because I'm so tired of hearing Darren. <laughs> Man, that guy, you, you know, I look at what it took to win one American Royal. <laughs> He's won something we forgot. He's, uh, yeah, man. I mean, he's one of my best friends. He's amazing. Yeah, I just, I might have to strike this question because everybody says the same fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the goat. He's the goat. He is, I mean. Lynn, let's be honest, every one of us dreams to have that career. We do, you know? If you don't, your your head's not in the right place. Even one-fourth of it. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's won, like, everything. So if I could win, like, even one-fourth of everything, I would be totally okay with that. <laughs> Retire, be done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get that. So, all right. Let's get into some different shit. What's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? Probably the being able to do classes, you know, I, you know, the backyard classes. I mean, let's be honest, our, our results on the Kansas City Barbecue Society circuit is what sells seats in our classes. You know, uh, 
my sponsor, Barbecue Heaven Fireplace Professionals. They advertise us as accomplished pit masters, and and uh, when when we do better, we sell more seats. You know, and I would have never guessed I would have ever gotten into a place in barbecue where a bunch of guys that that I don't know will come and want to pay to take a class from me. You know, that's really cool. Something I would have never expected I would ever be able to do. And I love it. It's fun. Oh, dude, teaching is, uh, I love teaching. It's my number one thing that has come out of the barbecue for me. And not necessarily competition teaching, but like teaching cooking and getting people to buy grills and get out there and like, man, make a brisket and here's how not to fuck it up. I mean, that that's like, I got three text messages today just based on American Royal stuff. Like, how do I cook a brisket? And I lay it out for him, man. I'm like, here's how. Like, and nothing brings me more joy. Yeah, it's so the most rewarding part about doing a, doing classes, and you brought it up, brisket. Brisket's the hardest one for, but it's the hardest one for us barbecue competitors, or most of us. Um, and it's also the hardest one for your uh, your, your your normal backyard home cook to also nail. And when we do brisket in class everybody goes home just pumped to go cook that first brisket after taking the class and when you get those facebook messages of i want to thank you for showing me how you how you cook a brisket and they'll they'll send their pictures of the first one it's like dude your first brisket looks a thousand times better than mine did i sure wish i had somebody like me to learn from when i started you know (laughs) but these guys go home and take what they've learned and not only you know cook good stuff but are just happy they're just they're just flat out happy that they got to cook that particular meal and feed their family and everybody loved it you know isn't that the best though travis it's you know we we cook a lot of backyard like holiday seafood and when people send you a message and be like man everybody i cooked for today was happy and you're like job done (laughs) absolutely you know and that kind of comes back the very first year i cooked the american royal was 2018 and i believe if if that wasn't the year that tuffy got inducted into the hall of fame he he gave a speech that year for sure and kind of had hit on the the whole barbecue being a gathering, being a family, you know, what does barbecue do? It brings people together. Um, that really hit home being there live and, and, and hearing that from him, you know, everybody sees Tuffy on TV, but it's different when you get to hear Tuffy in person. He's a good guy and a legend in the, in the sport all by himself. But you know, he hit a lot of nail on the head. And then you, when you see that you can, you can do the same thing. You can, you can teach somebody or maybe they ate your food and, you know, they get that smile on their face and they love it. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's what, I mean, trophies and trophies are cool. They collect dust checks. They get spent the next day, but 
you know, that's, those are lasting impressions. And, 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 and they, they do, they, they mean a lot to me when, when, when we're able to, to, to make people happy like that. Dude, that's, that's, you couldn't have said it better. That's pretty awesome, man. Like, uh, just teaching people and then knowing they're giving people good food. That's amazing. Absolutely. All right. So we've been on here for a long time. <laughs> so now it's time to hit the rapid fires. Cool. These are my favorites. All right. I'm hammered. I'm not gonna lie to you, I've been drinking bourbon the whole time. Man, I wish I could. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I they got me on a heart pill right now that I can't have any alcohol for a while. Oh God! All right, yeah. I had enough for you. <laughs> well, luckily I have a doctor's appointment before the KCBS World Invitational, so I might get to have a cocktail with you yet this year. I'm trying to come out there. Uh, right now, I, it's not good, but I'm working on it. Um, all right. I hate to ask you this question, but I'm going to. What do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, it's probably the first thing right now, and and I'm not going to say that I haven't been in, been involved in it before, and I've tried to do my best to step away and not do it, but the fighting between cooks and judges is not good for the sport, if you want to call it a sport. It's not a sport. It's not. Um, for for this Hobby. Hobby <laughs> slash game. We'll call it a game. Well, that's what we'll call it for this game. Game. Oh, oh wow. Okay. You just you know, changed that shit. I'm going to say game from now on. Yeah, it's game. It's game. I mean, that's realistically what, what, we're, what we're playing. But, uh, you know, it, it doesn't do us any good to fight in between. I mean, that, let's be honest. 99.9% .9 of all judges are awesome people, and they, and they judge correctly. And 99.9% .9 of the teams acknowledge that, that, that our judges overall are great judges. So it, it sucks that people – get personal between teams and judges on Facebook. It's not fixing the problem. Um, you know, this year I've kind of tried to take a more of a problem solving approach than just complaining about everything, even though I have a tendency to complain about judging too. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if we want this better, we got to come together and start looking for real solutions, you know, versus just blaming people. And, you know, so I, I think that we all got to be a little better at that. Um, for sure, you know, we, we, the one thing that there's a few things that are always talked about in social media when barbecue is criticized. And one of those things is the cost of barbecue. And there gets to be on the discussion on whether contests should be a meat provided. And if that would, you know, level the playing field and whatnot, and, one of the one of the before I was involved in barbecue, one of my other hobbies or things I did in the past was involved with uh, dirt track racing. I used to help a lot of my friends uh, that that uh, that race sprint cars, and everybody knows that that game is even more ridiculous, expensive than barbecue ever could think of. 
you know, so I've seen a lot of how that realm has tried to control costs over the years and they've not succeeded. If anything, it's failed and things have cost more money. Um, you see parts of that world that have succeeded, not in necessarily curbing expenses, but making it still where people are able to do it. Um, it, it to me, I don't know that there is a way that we can ever really curtail expenses, um, especially this day and age when things keep going up. But what we can do as a whole, as barbecue family, is we, we, including myself, have to remind ourselves that there are people watching when we're talking online, people that have checkbooks that are deep too. And if we're in fighting with each other, what would make that person want to invest in our game if it looks like we're a bunch of drama queens? Very valid. So I think we as barbecue cooks need to start approaching this as we need to make sure we're presenting ourselves properly to the world so KCBS can get the funding and the support we need. Um, we, 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 we don't need to be killing ourselves on, on, on financial deals because we look like a bunch of drama queens on Facebook. That's, that's the, the long and the short of it. And I'm just as guilty as a lot of people, and I know I need to be better at it too. But if we're going to attract good money in barbecue, we need to act like we want it. Absolutely. Less deep question. <laughs> what is one of your favorite pre during or post competition meals um post a pre-competition meal chick-fil-a grilled nuggets and their mac and cheese that's usually on the way to the contest on the way home mexican probably tacos everybody says tacos i want a salad man <laughs> i want oh, i want I'm vegetables like <laughs> How about a taco salad? All right, fair. <laughs> That's the Do first you... time I'm allowed when he said it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? Oh, other than a carver roll? Probably, let me think here. Think about this a little bit. Man, I give a lot of stuff out. Um, Probably the morning karma roll is going to be my ultimate because that's just what we do. You know, we love to share them things. Hey, man, that's great. If I could fit a hundred of them on my pit, I would cook a hundred of them. <laughs> so I apologize to anybody and everybody that I've never given a karma roll to. I try. I've not had one. I try to make sure that the guys like you that have never gotten one are the first on my list when I see you at a contest. It's all right, man. Next time. <laughs> we'll get it. All right. Next gigantic billboard you have one message to put on that billboard millions of people what's it going to say always follow your dreams and never give up you are never out of the fight pretty awesome dude pretty awesome last question there's got to be something here. What's an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Uh, just in general? Oh, yeah, man. It doesn't have like, to be barbecue. Just, barbecue related? Just a no, like uh, fucking crazy. 
Oh man, what do I do outside of barbecue? It's hard to think about this time of the year. This is probably an easier question to answer in January when we're sitting around looking for everything we want, you know, to do. That we're not <laughs> um, you know, I still have, even though I'm big into barbecue, um, I follow the World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series, and I never miss a race on Dirt Vision. Um, really? I yeah, I love the I love to watch sprint car racing. Um, I used to work on them, and I, I I I'm not involved anymore, but I still love it. And a lot of them guys that were around when I was involved still are, so I get to see them, watch them on in TV race and whatnot. And it's kind of I don't know, it's kind of my other thing besides barbecue. That's cool. I don't know if any of you guys watch that out there, but we do here. That's pretty cool, man. Actually, all them guys are racing in your area right now and that area, but uh, so. Huh. Yeah. Uh, it's close to Richmond. Is it Richmond? Um, I think this here for actually they're a little farther away. They're actually in Ohio and Pennsylvania right now, so they're a little ways. Away. Right. Um, they kind of get towards your way towards towards the later part of November when they finish up. But yeah, it's just fun to watch. It's you know it's 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 a little different than your once a weekend NASCAR. You know those guys are a touring series and they race about eighty five nights a week. So sometimes there's races four or five nights a weekend. You know, they're only nice. 35, 40 lap uh, dirt track features. They don't take all day like NASCAR and lap one to lap 30 is insanity. It means there's only that. <laughs> That's probably why I like it because it's just, it's Quite. that level of intensity, you know? All right. So, T-Duff. That's what we call you. You know that, right? Yeah, it's kind of kind of the... <laughs> Because the funny thing is, is that's kind of what I had for a nickname outside of barbecue too. So it's kind of cool. T Duff, where can people come find you online? Hit some sponsors. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we can be found on our Facebook page of Last Call Heroes Barbecue. Um, I also we're also on TikTok. TikTok, you're one of the first motherfuckers on barbecue on TikTok, and you love that shit. I know I got bored in 2020. Um, you know, <laughs> there wasn't as much to do, and I just started playing around on TikTok. And uh, and I'm the dancing guy, man. I know, I'm not I used to been the first person with TikTok. Yeah, me to it. And you know, <laughs> as I said, if you win chicken at the Royal, you gotta have a TikTok. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, all right. We're so out there, and uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out to my sponsors too, if I can. Uh, yeah, do it. Yeah, I'm gonna. These these are the these are these are the these are the this is the group of people that uh, have supported us over the years and got us to the American Royal to win it and start out first with uh, my parents Duffy Farms and Ray Hybrids, Willie at Barbecue Heaven Fireplace Professionals, Jim and everybody at Compart Family Farms, my buddy Nick Dooley at Dooley Defense, Ribalizer, Man Meat Barbecue and Joe Bob's Barbecue for giving us the amazing seasonings that allow us to do what we do along with smoky Oki. and last but not least jay craig at outlaw smokers for building me the pit that i love to cook on travis thanks for being on man thanks for having me on luke i had a lot of fun being on your podcast tonight good luck to you the rest of your season hope you have that's you're needing at the end of the year to get everything you need to get done thanks man 
Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and share it out with all your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. We will have another episode for you next week. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2021. O-B-S. Old Virginia Smoke.